we have competing priorities. And so it depends on at any given time, how much bandwidth you have, you know, mentally and physically to execute on the things that you want to. And some days are better than others. You know, exercise is very important to me, right? It's a, it's a real priority. But there are some days I have a very busy day at the office, Joshua, and I don't exercise. And that's just the way it is. And so it's the same thing with, it's the same thing with recycling. You want to do it. You know it's important. You, you feel very strongly about it. But some days you're busy running around. You're doing this. You're doing that. And you're trying to manage your time. And something's got to give. We just don't have an infinite amount of mental and physical energy to do everything that we want. Hi, this is Joshua Spodek, and this is Leadership in the Environment. You're not the only one who cares about your impact enough to act. You're part of a global community undeterred by people saying, if others don't change first, then what I do doesn't matter, and other excuses. We've read the science. We can do this. This show is about personal responsibility, acting, and improving your life by your values. As guest after guest says, the challenge was hard, but thank you for getting me to do it. I wish I'd done it earlier. Listen on for leaders to inspire you, hear their struggles, and then act. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to commit to a public, personal challenge of your own. You're not alone, and you don't have to wait for others. I learned a lot from this conversation, and partly that's a euphemism for it being challenging for me, since my measure of a challenge working was different from hers. You'll probably hear me struggle to listen and feature her without disagreeing too much. Part of why I invited her and why I value her friendship is our different values and therefore balancing them differently. Personally, I felt like she was writing off behavior changes that wouldn't have been so hard for her to do and that she would have enjoyed. But listening now, I don't think that I'd listen as much as I could have. I could have learned more about a different perspective that many people share. So listen, and I'd love to hear back what you think about the conversation. Learning from my guests and the podcast listeners is a big reason of why I'm doing the podcast in the first place. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Joshua Spodak. I'm here with Emery. Emery, how are you? Just fine, Joshua. How are you today? I'm very good. I'm here in sunny Southern California, which is my first time here in a long, long time. And ah, at least you're getting some sun. You don't have all the smoke from the fires down there, thank God. Actually, I was up in Ventura the other day and I was just touring the global headquarters of Patagonia, which is an amazing experience. Ah. And you could see the smoke from there and smell yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. We're enveloped here as well. I hope you're not affected too much. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got to stay, you're supposed to stay indoors. I'm running today, but I'm actually running at the gym on a treadmill, which is not quite the same, but it'll work in the meantime. Well, it's kind of environmental stuff that we're talking about. And I'll, I'll use that to segue into yes. when last we spoke, I believe that you were looking into getting things in bulk that could be in bulk. And it sounded like a bit of a challenge because, well, how did it go? Remind us of the challenge or what you took on. Well, you know, I took on an initiative to be more mindful of what I was purchasing and when the option presented itself to buy things in bulk. And I was moderately successful. And I realized I don't do as much food shopping as I thought I did. I didn't end up needing to buy a lot, but a couple of things, you know, like maybe quinoa or raisins or something like that. And it really, the determining factor was where I was going to be shopping. So it was very easy for me to do when I needed something and I was at Whole Foods and they sell things clearly in bulk. 
when I needed something, but clearly I was going to a different destination. I do a lot of shopping at Costco because they sell in bulk and their prices are very good. And they sell a lot of organic food now. The opportunity was not there. So some things I ended up buying, you know, four pounds of, you know, dried mangoes where, you know, you could get them at Whole Foods in bulk, but I ended up getting them at Costco and they were packaged. And it was just a change that you, was there a change of behavior or? I would say it's just mindfulness. And I know that, you know, when I'm coaching folks in terms of, you know, modifying behaviors, I always say, you know, self-awareness is, you know, 75% of making the change, right? It's just being aware that, that you need to make the change so that you can be more mindful. And so that's really the shift that I made. It wasn't really so much initially a behavior change as a mindset change. Okay. So that was the facts. I also tend to ask, what was the emotional? Did it change how you felt about these things? Did it change, or, and also the relationships, did it change how you interacted with others? No, not really. Not really. You know, I realized that uh, Whole Foods has made it easier to buy in bulk. Their system for tagging bags is easier than it used to be. <laughs> so It's, just, it's like uh, that scale where you press the thing and it prints out and you put yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, they actually, you know, we have a little system where, you know, you, you write down the, you know, the number and, the, you know, so, so the system is a little easier than, than it used to be. They used to, you know, use masking tape and they actually had little tabs at, at the place I was at. And then I had a wonder though, about how biodegradable the bags were that I was using. It did make me think of that. I'm thinking, hmm, they probably should, you know, sell bulk in some sort of compostable bags. But then I thought, oh, maybe some people don't put it in containers when they get home. And so maybe, you know, there's an integrity issue there for shelf life. I don't know. But it just made me think that maybe they should be doing something as far as um, making, you know, eco-friendly bags for the bulk items. Do you reuse the bags? Do you bring them back in and refill them? You know, I don't. Well, in fact, again, I, I, it's not something that was top of mind, right? So I'd come home, dump the stuff in a, a container, right? Like, you know, I, I have these really great, you know, snap top containers for the pantry, but then I would dump the bag and the recycling. So in a way, in a way, I still have packaging, don't I? <laughs> yeah, I think that mindfulness is, I'm going to be a little challenging with you if that's okay. Sure. Because here's something that I say to a lot of people. Not on the podcast. So I think you may be the first person on the podcast because it's what I say is that mindfulness is nice, but the environment doesn't react to what we think or feel. It reacts to what we do. The whole, all of the plastic in the ocean came from our behavior. And the other thing is that everyone on earth can say the following words completely honestly. I'm aware. I'm I'm very self-aware or I'm more self-aware than ever because everyone's aware of what they're aware of and everyone's unaware of what they are unaware of. So to say I'm aware is... It's, but it's a precursor to behavior change. You can't make a behavior change without that awareness. So it's really foundational to making a change. So it's pretty vital. And so like any behavior, you know, it takes practice, right? To come up with new habits. You need to repeat it for a period of time. And there are going to be times when you kind of slip back, you know, slip back. But that mindfulness, right, is going to have you make those practice runs so that it does become second nature for you behaviorally. Yeah, what I find is that a lot of people make mindfulness a goal. And when they reach it, then they are like, great, I achieved it. But what I find is that people who actually go through the behavior and go through far enough to make it stick the change 
Actually, there's a much greater mindset that I find happens after they change your behavior than before they change your behavior. I agree. It's, you're not going to change your behavior without a mindset, without changing right. something. But, but I would say, though, it takes mindset and commitment, right? It takes mindset and commitment. And, you know, and this is just an aside, I wouldn't consider it part of the equation, but, you know, a, a certain amount of, of reflection and creating your own internal feedback loop, right? In terms of how you're performing against your goal. I mean, you've got to make it a goal that you want to make that behavior change. So do you think you did? Oh, yeah. You know, I'd say like, you know, I'm committed to it, but given everything that I have going on, I wouldn't say that I'm as married to it as, for example, I am, you know, with my exercise schedule, right? For me, it's, it's a nice to have, not a must have. So if I can do it, when the option presents itself, I will do it. I don't think I'll go out of my way to do it though, because it's just the way that my life is laid out. I mean, I, I shop other places. Um, you know, I have a very busy schedule. Sometimes I can't get to Whole Foods, you know, and buy in bulk. If I didn't have children, you know, maybe it would be a different story, you know, if I wasn't running back and forth to volleyball practice. But when, when the option presents itself, I will do it. But as I said, I, I don't know that I would go out of my way and drive there in order to do it. So I'm a, a bit of a loss because I'm not sure what to say. You're not the first person I've had on the show who came back and was like, oh, this, I, it just didn't work. Well, I wouldn't say it didn't work. I wouldn't say it didn't work. But the thing is, is that, you know, you know, when you make changes, right, no matter what changes you are, it's always the risk reward balance that you're doing there, right? You're balancing it. And so you're balancing it with all of these other things that come into your daily living. And it's just, it's a matter of prioritizing. It's important but it's not my top priority. My top priority is getting back and forth to volleyball practice on time with my daughter, right? So, and then using this as an example, if you get have any given day. So although it's important, it is not one of my top priorities. If you were to interview me for a job and you asked what my top values were, buying in bulk to save packaging would not be one of those things that I talked about. It would be taking care of my family. So the thing is, is that, you know, you do it to the extent that you can, knowing that, you know, the world is not a perfect place and you do it as much as you can, you know, when you evangelize about it, but we all sort of do what we can. I have a couple of directions I'm kind of curious in going here. I'll say both and then ask you and let you pick one or and let's say I have a different direction. What you're saying is a lot of what I would have said before I started avoiding packaged food, which began a lot of, you know, the not flying and other things like that, I took the train out here to California. And after doing it, I was very surprised to find that it was not difficult. It didn't take time away. In fact, it, it gave me time. Like the, my cooking now, I, I probably spend less time cooking and enjoying it more. And I'm certainly spending less money cooking. Right. And like, so taking the train out to California definitely takes longer than flying. But for a couple months, I was knowing that I had this trip and knowing that I had the solitude, if I had any task that was over an hour or so that I had to do, I was like, oh, that'll be a train task. So that when I arrived yeah. in California, I thought, ah, I want more time. I have more things that I want to do and I'm getting a lot of work done. So I was very surprised to find that I saved time, I saved money, and I certainly felt a lot better because looking back, I realized all these times that I was choosing, consciously choosing to act against my values was really eating me up inside. Mm -hmm. So that's one direction. I suspect that might happen. I think that's happened with a lot of people. The other direction is 
I think that what you're saying, a lot of Americans say and feel and behave the same way. And if we all do that, then the predictions, well, different people agree on different predictions, but some predictions say that we could be in a lot of trouble. There'll be more plastic. Well, and the thing is, is that, and I think that the solution to that is that, you know, there needs to be a certain amount of pressure brought to bear on manufacturers, right? Knowing that Americans have very, very busy lives to create more eco-friendly packaging. I mean, they've done it with, you know, peanuts now for shipping containers. I mean, there are, you know, eco-friendly products so that you don't have all these styrofoam peanuts and everything. And so there are bigger, broader measures that can, that can happen that can, you know, help people who are really busy make those choices more easily. But then again, you know, then it brings around the question, you know, well, how do you, you know, make that attractive for companies to do? And maybe it's a marketing thing, you know, uh, some companies, it's like, you know, the whole non-GMO label for as mislabeled as some things are with that right now, you know, it does make a difference. People do gravitate towards those types of things. Well, there's no reason in the world why people wouldn't gravitate towards eco-friendly packaging as a marketing tool. Well, I mean, people aren't showing the demand for it. They don't recycle existing yeah, But initially, they didn't show the demand for organic food either, right? So it's one of those things where, you know, if, you're, if you really want to make, and especially where these manuf- a lot of these manufacturers are having, they have very, very thin margins with consumables right now. It might make a big difference to say, okay, well, you know what? Our, our Tide detergent is now packaged in eco-friendly packaging. I think that would make a huge impact, especially where, you know, especially where, you know, young people and people are becoming somewhere socially conscious now. I mean, let's put it this way. They have, you know, green products now for cleaning that's simply green and, you know, and, and people are becoming more aware of not using chemicals in their house and people will pay a premium for products like that that are very eco-friendly. And so it makes me think that, that, you know, packaging is no different. In fact, I think I'm onto something. I should probably call (laughs) (laughs) It's funny to try to get people to consume less. It's not a lot of profit in, in reducing consumption. I'm not sure, like, it's nice to make eco-friendly stuff, but if the thing isn't even necessary at all, then that's a bit more of a challenge because you can't, like, like what? Like, what would you purchase that wasn't necessary that was in packaging? Water. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah, well, there are health risks associated with water. I've stopped buying bottled water, and it wasn't really necessarily for the packaging. It was because of the health risks associated with, with bottled water and plastic. The other thing is that for me, I want to go back to the first point, that personal responsibility for me is a very important thing. And Everyone has their different values. And so if one value is higher than another and they conflict, you generally go with a higher value. On the flip side, as I said, I was, I was surprised to find that things were easier. I mean, it takes a little time to shift, but once the shift happens, it's, it's no, for me to bring bags with me to the store, it takes me no extra time or effort. It took me a little while to get used to it, to not forget. Like there were several times I'd go to the- Oh, to I the forget all the time. <laughs> and I forget to bring, like my store has a, a machine that grinds peanuts into peanut butter. And there's little plastic containers there, but I'm not going to get them. I only bring my container from home, mm-hmm. build that. And if I forget the container from home, I just think, okay, well, no peanut butter this week. I'll get it next time. Yeah. And I don't get the extra thing. And so if I forget to bring a bag, if I forget stuff, I'm just, I just think, okay, well, I'm not going to get that this time. And then my hunger reminds me, next time, don't forget. Right. 
And these little things lead to bigger things. The bigger things lead to bigger things. And it's all not, none of it has ever added up to really hardship for me. But I think too, that the easier you can make things, it's almost like recycling, right? Having recycling bins that are actually at your, at your home. My guess is if you did some research that people are more inclined to recycle when they have their bin at their house provided by their local garbage provider than if they need to take their recycling to a dump or central location to recycle, right? So especially where, you know, convenience is such, you know, something that's held in such high esteem today, right? With people that the easier you can make something for people to do, the more inclined they are, they're going to be to do it. I mean, that's just the way it is, right? And so and that's a perfect example. I think my example is a good one is that, you know, Whole Foods makes it easy for me to buy in bulk because they have it there, right? Whereas Costco, does, I mean, if they, if they had bulk, right? and that was an option, I would certainly do it if they had the convenience of having it there. The keywords for me are personal responsibility because I was thinking that speaking to, okay, so one of the things that brought you on was that you're a different side of the political spectrum than most of the guests on the show. Right. And I feel like personal responsibility is like one of the big conservative things. It's like, we don't want, like, you're certainly not saying the government should take care of this. So I'm not hearing that, but you No, gosh, no. No, I'm saying the market, the free market should take care of it. So the free market... What if the market, there's some things that markets do well and some things that markets have problems with, like antitrust, like markets tend to result in monopolies, for example. Monopolies also result in overproduction. Historically, that's long been the case. And if overproduction is a problem that markets that are inherent to a market, I'm not saying it is, but if that's the case, then relying on market solutions for problem that markets cause might never result in a solution. I don't know. Like I said, you know, I come from a marketing and sales background and you know, I definitely think it would be, would definitely give some of these companies a leg up to say, hey, you know what? I mean, I know as a consumer, if I had a choice, right, between laundry detergents and one was in an eco-friendly container, I mean, I buy eco-friendly laundry detergent as it is now. No perfumes, no dyes, no phosphates. You know, I go to a lot of trouble to buy eco-friendly, but it's in this big plastic container. Well, if, the, if I had a choice, right? To buy it in an eco-friendly container that was biodegradable. It's the reason why I buy bio, bio bags instead of garbage bags, right? Because they're biodegradable and I pay a premium. Well, if they can sell bio bags as an option for garbage bags, why can't they sell, you know, detergent in a, you know, some sort of container that is compostable or, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's certain, you know, there's a certain amount of product development that be, needs to be done for that, that type of thing. But I, I mean, especially where all these companies are so quote unquote socially aware now, you know, they have no problem, you know, supporting these different causes, but you just, you don't see it from a corporate responsibility standpoint that they feel responsible though, for all this packaging that they're creating, quite frankly, it's like cigarette manufacturers, right? So cigarette manufacturers, I mean, they're killing people with cigarettes and it takes, you know, a tide of, of public opinion to get them to, to, you know, make the modifications they did from a marketing standpoint. Well, it's the same thing with packaging. They're doing it with plastic straws, right? They're getting companies now to make straws that are paper instead of plastic. Feeling inspired? Do you like hearing others acting that you're not alone? Go to joshuaspodek.com slash podcast to hear other interviews but even more valuable, join the growing community of people who care enough to act, not just talk. Read the list of people who have taken on personal challenges and then commit to one yourself. 
Don't be surprised if you end up loving it, changing more, and finding people following you without you even trying. That's what happens when you improve your life by living by your values. So there's some situations that can help. A conversation I was in recently was people talking about how much wasted food there is. I don't know, it's something like 40% of food that is grown in the United States ends up in landfills or composted, things like that. So the challenge was if there's a store that, okay, say they put out a bunch of apples. Some of the apples are past prime and they can't sell them. So they throw them out or compost them. Most likely they throw them out. So someone was saying, well, they should not buy as many apples and not put so many out. They should only put as many as they need and, or as many as people buy. But there's competition and a, competi- a competitor store that looks more bountiful will probably get more people shopping there. And now you can say there are going to be some companies that will buy the apples after they haven't been used. So you can make some efficiency in the market. But in a competitive environment, someone who tries to save in some areas is probably going to lose out to others who use the current marketing practices that are very effective. Mm-hmm. So I think there, while there's, there's some places that it looks to me like there's certainly places where people can save. If someone's wasting, if someone has too much packaging, they can cut back on the packaging and that will save them money. It'll be more efficient. They'll, their profits will increase. Competitors will follow. And now the whole market will use less packaging than it did before. But there are some things that, as far as I can tell, in a competitive environment, if you try to save, others will get ahead of you. And that's why I think we're at an optimal, stores have optimized their marketing and their sales in certain ways that deviations from that will result in less sales, even if you are not just less sales, but less profits, even if you are more environmentally friendly. Yeah, but I don't know that they would do it from a cost-saving standpoint. You'd have to do it from a marketing and, and a standpoint where you wanted to actually grow you know, your market share and increase your revenue by charging a premium for products that, that were eco-friendly. I mean, the water bottle example is, is a big one where marketing, when I was a kid, water, bottled water was like this frou-frou European thing. Everyone's like, that's weird. Why would you pay for bottled water? And now when I talk to people, why do you get bottled water? A lot of people, actually, it's weird. People are on both sides. Some people say not bottled water is more safe. And some people say bottled water is more safe. So the ones who think that bottled water is more safe or, or pure or something like that, they believe something that as far as I can, in most places, it's when water safety engineers test the water, even when it's safer to drink the water from a tap, people still perceive that it's safer from a bottle and they, they pay a dollar for something that's free. And that marketing is very effective and it increases the profits to Nestle and so forth tremendously. And the market hasn't really changed in this area and, and they're very profitable. And they talk about, they want to bottle air at some point or make, I mean, there's interviews with the Nestle CEO guy and he's like, let's move to air one day. I'm but like, just from anecdotally speaking, don't you see a lot of people with their own containers today? I see people using those containers like they're disposable. It's like, if oh, you go to a thrift not store, if they're not filled if you're going to with- buy one of those, um, you know, if you're going to buy a Yeti or uh, what, what's the other one that my daughter likes so much that was like $32. She's got like two $32, you know, water bottles that she carts back and forth. I see full. people using them. I don't see it reducing the amount so far, the amount of waste because people give them away like they're free. Like Oh, those kind of water bottles. Yeah. There's a glut of water bottles. There's a glut of canvas tote bags that have branding on them, that people, they get them for free. And so they treat them as something that's worthless and they end up throwing a ton of them away. If you go to a thrift shop, at least in New York, there's shelves and shelves and shelves and shelves of tote bags and mugs and all these things that are, 
people treat them as billboards and they're disposable. I mean, they put it, I believe it comes out of their marketing budgets. Have you ever all gone have to some a trade companies show on them. and seen the crap at a trade show? Exactly. And so people, <laughs> people feel, and that's the thing that I think feeds, people feel like I'm environmentally aware because look, I have this thing, but they're actually increasing their impact on the environment while they're thinking that they're decreasing it. Mm-hmm. That's the pattern that I certainly see a lot of people decreasing it. But I certainly see a lot of people increasing it while they feel that they're decreasing it. I mean, every bag in Trader Joe's that I see, it has the word recycle in big letters across it. Mm-hmm. But people don't need to use those bags at all. They could- I use them for trash. The I always is, tell them, do what you need to with the bags because I use them for trash. That's what I'm talking about is that people, it's, they get the bag and they say, I'm going to use it for trash. Then they have the trash and they think, well, I have this from because it was given to me. Because well, a lot of that, dime for it. I actually paid a dime for it. <laughs> there were a dime out here in California. So my point is that is that people those most of those bags are totally unnecessary, and because it says recycle on them, then people feel like oh this is benign on the environment, or I have a secondary use for it. When the primary use and the secondary use are unnecessary, and the marketing is so effective that people, in while increasing their impact on the environment, are feeling that they're decreasing it. Well, it's better, it's better than using an, uh, a garbage bag that isn't biodegradable. Well, yeah, it's better than thermonuclear war too, but it's not as, but it you doesn't. You put your trash in something. What are you going to put your trash in, Joshua? So. <laughs> you can't put it in something. Well, since I compost all my wet stuff, my trash is only dry. So I just use a canvas tote bag, which I then empty down the trash chute. Mm-hmm. And I've used the same, same one for. I don't I was know, saying, like no, five years. My husband does that and it skeeves me to no end. He'll take the paper bag, go and, and I, I don't mind sometimes if it's dry recycling, like newspapers or cans or something, but sometimes he'll, you know, empty the trash and bring the bag back in the house. And I'm like, get that bag out of here. It's had trash in it. I don't want it in my house. So it just skeeves me to no end. So the bag has got to go with the trash. <laughs> I bet you have wet stuff in your trash because I don't. It's yeah, all, mine is only dry because everything wet goes in the compost. But again, it's, it's a convenience thing. I have a green container here at home, right? And it takes, it'll take things like eggshells and, you know, so, sort of green things, but it depends if I'm in a rush and I'm in a hurry and I'm trying to get dinner on the table, you know, I'll throw it in the trash instead of, you know, putting it all in one bowl and then, you know, carting it outside and everything. It really depends on what else is going on? And I have, you know, those are just, 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 and I, you know, I try to put it in a green container, but it doesn't always get in there. Like this morning I was making breakfast. I made French toast and the eggs went, the eggshells went into the trash. So I was to take two little eggshells out to the green container. So I, yeah, I appreciate your sharing and I hope I didn't push back too hard. I was, no, uh, no, no, not at all. Not at all. Okay. Yeah. I, so this gives me a good picture and this is, I think, I think what you're saying is, is, pretty representative of a, of a lot of people. And, you know, I hope to influence them more and I'm always trying to find out how to be more effective. But but keep in mind that, you know, all of us today have competing priorities, right? We have competing priorities. And so it depends on at any given time, how much bandwidth you have, you know, mentally and physically to execute on the things that you want to. And some days are better than others. You know, exercise is very important to me, right? It's a, it's a real priority. But there are some days I have a very busy day at the office, Joshua, and I don't exercise. And that's just the way it is. And so it's the same thing with, it's the same thing with recycling. You want to do it. You know it's important. 
you, you feel very strongly about it, but some days you're, you're busy running around, you're doing this, you're doing that, and you're trying to manage your time and something's got to give. We just don't have an infinite amount of mental and physical energy to do everything that we want. I, I'm glad you brought up fitness because for me, it's a very similar thing. And uh, I'm curious, what do you say to someone who says they have no time for fitness whatsoever? I got to put it into your schedule. It's something, again, you need to put into your schedule and it's something that you have to do consistently to make a habit, right? But that's not to say that there are, aren't going to be days where you don't meet the, your fitness goal and you've got to be okay with that, right? As long as it's, it's the exception and not the rule. And it's the same thing with recycling. You wanted to make it the exception and not the rule. It's the old 80-20 rule, right? And if you're doing it 80% of the time, well, you know what? You're doing pretty darn good. All right. I, I'd like to wrap up with a couple of questions. One is, is there anything I didn't ask that I ought to have brought up? And is there any message you'd want to give directly to the listeners? For about recycling or? Yeah, about the experience or anything. I mean, uh, not everyone has anything. No, I mean, I think, you know, it was a, it's a good experience. And, you know, like I said, it's something, you know, the environment's something I've always been very passionate about. I guess it just, you know, you know, raised my self-awareness, you know, as, as far as that's concerned. And, um, you know, it's made me, you know, put me in a position where, you know, you want to do more and you want to do better. And um, to that end, you continue to make it a priority and do the best you can with what, whatever resources you have on any given day. I want to thank you very much for sharing things. Since it sounds like it's something that you'll keep doing, I want to leave you with an open invitation that if you ever have an experience that is worth or you want to share with this audience, you're always welcome to come back and I'd love to hear it. Thank you. Thank you. I sure will. I sure will. It's been a pleasure. And Marie, thank you very much. Okay. Thanks, Joshua. This conversation led to several monologue posts that I put up on my podcast on awareness often leading to inaction. And these were rather assertive ones. Personally, I think that if she had overcome some of the resistance she'd find some of the things that she thought would conflict with, say, spending time with her family. I think that she would find those things would augment those things, as Jim Hawshaw found in an earlier episode. But what I call resistance was her balancing values differently, and maybe I just didn't understand her values enough. You could probably hear me struggling to figure out what to say that wasn't disagreeing. As I said, this episode was a learning experience for me. I felt stuck. But as always with Anne-Marie, I enjoyed the conversation. I value her for being herself, and I look forward to learning from it as I listen more to this episode. And as I said at the beginning, I value your feedback, you the listeners, and thoughts on the conversation. Did you feel inspired too? Then act. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others. Value means better and worse, and living by your values means living better by your values. You may struggle at first, but it's the hero's journey from living by others' values to living by yours. People say that little things add up. I won't argue against it, but what I find counts is acting. Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating others should act first or making excuses to the empowering I can make a difference and living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior. There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. 
Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.